as you can see, um, today we're going to be in Revelation chapter 3. And so the Greek word for revelation is apocalypsis or apocalypto. Um, and the actual meaning of apocalypse, which is our English word, is a revealing or a discourse. Um, or, or another way to translate it is to uncover something or to pull the lid off of something. So today we're going to pull the lid off of what was going on in the church of Laodicea. And we'll read the entire letter to the church of Laodicea, but our focus will mostly be centered on verse 18. To the church in Laodicea, and to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich, and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens a door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. So as always, let's get a little uh, idea of, of geography and, and history. So this letter was written on the tiny island of Patmos, so that's the, um, the purple circle there, just off the coast of Turkey. Um, and it was most likely written between 95 AD and 96 AD by John, the son of Zebedee. Uh, so he was one, one of the original 12 apostles. And so Laodicea, which is the circle that's kind of the, the lowest one in the middle, uh, Laodicea was known as a banking and manufacturing center. And they were the most prosperous city in that province of Phrygia, and they were famous for making um, a, a glossy black clothing and also for eye salves. And it was located near uh, the city of Hierapolis, which was known for hot springs, and also Colossae, which was known for having pure cold waters. And it's actually Hierapolis and Colossae that, that make verses 15 and 16 interesting, which we'll look at in a moment, because by the time the waters of those two cities reached Laodicea, the water was neither hot nor cold. Uh, so you see the Lord Jesus Christ is actually using geography that was familiar to the people of Laodicea in order to describe what was going on. Um, and so as we go through this, actually, our, uh, the translation that we're going to be using for this study is actually the Amplified Translation. So it's going to look a little different from what I just read. So starting in verse 15. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold, invigorating, refreshing, nor hot, healing, therapeutic. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm, spiritually useless, and neither hot nor cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth, rejecting you with disgust. So um, again, the Lord Jesus Christ is using, is using geography here. And these are, these are pretty harsh words in this letter. Um, and on a day like this when it's cold, 
uh, how many of us actually want hot chocolate that's really not warm at all? Or if it's 100 degrees outside, none of us wants to be sipping on sweet tea where all the ice is melted. And this is how the spirit of Jesus felt about the Laodiceans. If, if they were soda pop, then they've gone flat, is basically a, a, a modern-day equivalent. And he would rather spit them out of his mouth because they don't taste or feel like anything that's worth it to him. And, and the reason he gives for their lack of taste or feeling is actually given in verse 17. Because you say, I am rich and have prospered and grown wealthy and have need of nothing, and you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked without hope and in great need. So like, like a doctor, the Lord Jesus Christ is pointing out their failings. He's, they're, they're not healthy, they're sick. They're not rich, they're actually poor. Uh, they're not prosperous, they can, they're actually to be pitied. And, and they're not adequately clothed, they're actually spiritually naked. And he calls them blind and wretched. And at the heart of these things is actually a hidden pride. Je Jesus doesn't directly call it out, but proud people almost always tend to be blind to their own failings and blind to where their lives are really going, and they're almost always unhappy. And another thing the Lord Jesus Christ points out is that they had the wrong type of wealth. Their wealth was things. And as a professor named Tim Kasser mentioned in his book, The High Price of materialism. He says materialistic people are almost always unhappy because they put their trust in possessions. They put their trust in money and they put their trust in their business sense and they put their trust in their outward religious life. And th this is a person uh, living life almost like an empty vase, looking good on the outside but empty on the inside. And all of these things that they put their trust in have taken away both their happiness and their zeal. Their, their zeal, their drive, their enthusiasm was direct towards something that, that couldn't give them anything back. And that's actually, this actually brings us to our, our first lesson point. The Laodiceans trusted the wrong type of wealth. Um, so this is what the Lord Jesus Christ is telling the Laodiceans, that, that what they have isn't true wealth, that the, the money that they've earned doesn't make them wealthy, that the church they gather at doesn't make them religious, that the confidence that they have is a false type of confidence at best. And, and while these deficiencies haven't wrecked them yet, it, it's, going to, it's, uh, it's going to because it, it, it's taken something away from them. And what is taken away is their zeal, their enthusiasm for following and serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus calls them lukewarm for a reason because Spiritually, they don't have that excitement. They don't have that vigor that Jesus wants from his followers. Instead of the image of, of uh, lukewarm water that Jesus uses, let's think of a person's heart for God. The, there are people, obviously, who we see them, they're on fire for Jesus. They're enthusiastic. They, they're excited like we are to gather on a Sunday uh, and worship Jesus and worship God and worship the Holy Spirit. And then there are people who have cold hearts, uh, unbelievers who've, never heard of the, of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they've rejected it, and they rejected Jesus as Savior and Lord over their lives. And then you have the lukewarm people. It's not that they don't believe, it's that they're stagnant in their beliefs. This is someone who's, who's too comfortable with their life and too complacent with how they do things, and they're not truly aware of how spiritually needy they are. And they, they've lost something, just like the Laodiceans, they had enthusiasm, but then that enthusiasm just deflated like a balloon. 
And it happens to all of us. We, we lose that drive and we lose that zeal and we lose that excitement that we once had. And the Lord Jesus Christ gives them a solution which takes us to our main study verses. I counsel you to buy from me gold that has been heated red hot and refined by fire so that you may become truly rich and white clothes re representing righteousness to clothe yourself so that the shame of your nakedness will not be seen and healing salve to put on your eyes so that you may see. So he's advising them that they need to buy three things from him. And he doesn't say, I'm ordering you to obtain these things. He, he, Jesus never forces, he never bullies his will onto anyone. He just points people towards the path and lets them choose. So let's look at the, take a look at what these three things are. So the first thing is, I counsel you to buy from me gold that has been heated red hot and refined by fire so that you may become truly Laodicea was a massive banking center and so the people in that city had a lot of wealth and it's it's highly possible that the marketplace environment um, and that marketplace mentality invaded and overtook their spiritual sensibilities where things that they could see were things that they could touch things that they could hold and things that they could show off were starting to become more important than spiritual treasures and we see this to a certain extent in, in modern culture, and, and sometimes it, it does work its way into the modern church, where sometimes the focus shifts from growing attendance or building an extension to a church to accommodate people or maybe having a, a better website, and some of these ambitions are not bad things. But when the focus becomes growing the church over ministering to those who are already in the church, then the church has taken a detour in the wrong direction. And the, the late Warren Wearsby pose the following two questions in relation to the, this specific verse. He asks, why is it so many church bulletins and letterheads show pictures of buildings? And then he, he also asks, are these the things that are most important to the church? And so when we think of the gold that the Lord Jesus Christ mentions, let's substitute the word gold with the word values instead. So Jesus wanted the Laodiceans to get their values from him instead of getting their values from the culture. And so this brings us to our second lesson point. The Laodiceans used human standards instead of God's standards to measure their spiritual condition. And this is where the Laodiceans needed to be cautious. They, they were measuring themselves against the standards of the culture that was around them and not according to scripture. Well, well they're probably thinking, we're, we're not like those people in that other church. They, they worship differently from us. They're, they dress differently from us. They're, their church building, is a, it's a little run down compared to ours. And you know what? They let sinful people in church. So these are the words of, of a church with the wrong values. And Jesus is warning this church about it. And the gold that, that Jesus offers, it, it's true spiritual riches and true spiritual wealth. Like we, we accumulate things because we're conditioned to think that those things make us secure, that these things bring us joy, that these things give us hope, that these things give us peace. But no one is ever happy for long when all they're doing is hoarding stuff to show off. And in the end, all you have is a lot of stuff instead of the security or the peace or the joy that you're hoping for. And so this is how the Laodiceans were. They were materially rich and prosperous and thought that they had need of nothing 
but the riches that they had couldn't buy them lasting hope. It couldn't buy them lasting security or joy or peace or even health. And it definitely couldn't buy them everlasting life. And it can't cure loneliness. Real joy, real peace, real hope, real security doesn't come from things or social media. It comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. So he urges the Laodiceans to get their peace, to get their joy, to get their hope, and to get their security from him and only him. And the other thing that Jesus tells us about them is that they needed their gold to be heated red hot and refined by fire so that they may become truly rich. And when you're, you're refining something in fire, it means burning out the impurities. Being refined in fire for Christians means struggle, and it does mean persecution. And a, a comfortable church becomes a stagnant church. And a, a persecuted church is actually a thriving church. In, in countries where Christians are persecuted, the numbers, and there's statistics out there that show it, the numbers are actually growing of believers overseas because their governments are persecuting them, because the people in the town are persecuting them. And, and it's, it's the difference between um, a couch potato Christian and a Christian who willingly gets up, gets off the couch, and goes for a spiritual walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And they do it every single day. And they do it rain or shine. They do it when it's hot and humid. They do it in, when there's a blizzard and ice outside in wintertime. They get up off the couch and they walk with their Lord and Savior. Faith that is comfortable leads to a deteriorating and at least to a dying spirit. It, it's like watching a plant slowly, slowly shrivel up. I mean, you don't see it because the root system is usually what's going to die first. Um, under the soil and it's not until the leaves start to die that you realize that the plant is, is almost dead and by the time you figure it out oftentimes it's too late but faith that is tested under pressure and faith that is con constantly pushing forward is a faith that gets stronger and keeps on growing and hard times normally convince people to stop most people anyway to stop and take an honest look at themselves. And most of us do that when times get tough. We take an honest look at ourselves. And those who take that honest look uh, seriously consider getting or continuing to get what Jesus offers. While those who are too proud and living in denial of their condition will reject the offer and not want to change. They're, they're too stubborn to change. And eventually that stubbornness gets them into trouble. And by the time they think of looking for a lifeboat to take to safety, they're their ship has already, has already sunk and it's too late. So next, the next thing the Lord Jesus Christ asked them to buy is white clothes representing righteousness to clothe yourself so that the shame of your nakedness will not be seen. And so Laodicea was known as a large textile and manufacturing center. Um, they, they were best known for producing a, a black, glossy, high-quality wool and yet the Lord Jesus Christ is telling them that no matter how much clothing they produce, it's not enough. Because just as they are producing clothing for themselves and for others to buy, they can't and never could produce their own righteousness. And they thought they can save themselves. They, they thought they could do something like performing works or clothing themselves with their own clothes. Um, but that's not what's required for salvation. 
The only thing that saves us is the righteousness of Jesus and his atonement for our sins. And the, the Laodiceans were, were physically and spiritually incapable of saving themselves, but that's not what they thought in their prideful minds. And th this shame of nakedness is actually a callback to Genesis chapter 3, where when Adam and Eve sinned against God and tried to cover up their spiritual nakedness with the leaves. But it did nothing because no matter how much we try to cover ourselves up, Yahweh God still sees sin, still sees our sin, still saw Adam and Eve's sin. And so this leads us to our third lesson point. God will only accept someone who is clothed in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yahweh God will not accept someone because they go to church every single Sunday. Yahweh God will not accept someone who just acts religious. God will not accept someone solely because they just said a prayer and took a few classes on learning how to become a Christian and then they got baptized. And God will not accept someone because they do charitable works or do religious works. And he doesn't accept someone because they just profess at one time a, a belief in Jesus Christ. God doesn't accept any of these outward displays. God will only accept someone who is clothed in the righteousness of Christ. When God looks at a genuine follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, God sees that person covered by the precious blood of his one and only son, enveloped by the innocence of the son of the living God. And when we fall into sin, his spirit convicts us to repent. Where others live in denial, uh, image bearers of Christ are people who, of integrity, who recognize that they've done something wrong, who recognize that they've created that separation between themselves and their creator, and so they repent, and they turn from their sins, and in humility they seek forgiveness. This is what the Laodiceans actually didn't see. They, they didn't see that they lacked humility, even though they probably bragged about having it, and the surest sign that someone has lost their humility is when they say they actually have it. All the Laodiceans saw was that they created what they created with their own hands, not realizing that despite all of their works and despite all of their successes, they were spiritually naked. Their spiritual nakedness um, was born out of a self-righteousness, and neither of those things are acceptable to Yahweh God. Which leads us to the, the third thing that the Lord Jesus Christ wants, him to buy, wants them to buy from him. Healing salve to put on your eyes so that you may see. So Laodicea, there's a third thing that they were known for. They were famous for producing an eye salve, um, a, a medicinal salve for the eyes. And there's also historical evidence that there was a really well-known and huge medical university or school in the city. And so the Lord Jesus Christ is telling the Laodiceans that no matter how much of this medical salve they put on their eyes, it's not going to cure their spiritual blindness. They need the spirit of Jesus to open their eyes to the fact that they're sinful and of lackluster faith. The spiritually blind only see the positives and they completely ignore their negatives. The spiritually blind are more concerned about the prosperity of their church than feeding the congregation the truth of God's word. The spiritually blind will, will focus on good works that are seen by others um, instead of serving God to be seen only by God. And the spiritually blind focus on ritual and they focus on tradition instead of worshiping God and loving them neighbor, their neighbor as themselves. And the spiritually blind are, are, are usually only concerned about how they look 
in the eyes of others and are ignoring how their actions are making God look to an unbelieving society. And so this brings us to our final lesson point. The Laodiceans turned a blind eye to who they really were. And so it's like that Hans Christian Andersen folktale, The Emperor's New Clothes, um, where a pair of con men convince the emperor that he has a new pair of clothes when he's actually walking around his own city naked. And um, his royal subjects, are they're, they're too afraid to say anything to him as a, as a king is walking around with no clothes at all. Um, but the people, it, the, the people in the city are starting to whisper, the emperor's got no clothes. And, and the emperor can hear this, and he's not listening to them. He's not listening to the crowd that he has no clothes on. He just chooses to ignore it. And so this is where complacency and this is where denial actually collide. It's, it's the, but I never knew, I never saw it coming scenario, despite the fact that, that everyone sees it and there's signs there that, that something's wrong and yet the emperor and the Laodiceans had it in their minds that everything was okay. And so this sums up what was going on in Laodicea. They, they had a false sense of prosperity. They had a false sense of security. And worst of all, they had a false sense of reality. But here's the good news. The Lord Jesus Christ loves them enough to warn them and to tell them how to fix things. Those whom I dearly and tenderly love, I rebuke and discipline, showing them their faults and instructing them. So be enthusiastic and repent. Change your inner self, your old way of thinking, your sinful behavior. Seek God's will. Behold, I stand at the door of the church and continually knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens a door, I will come in and eat with him, restore him, and he with me. He who overcomes the world through believing that Jesus is the Son of God, I will grant to him the privilege to sit beside me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down beside my Father on his throne. So Jesus wanted the Laodiceans to change, but you see, he doesn't, he doesn't force anyone to change. Um, verse 20, to the first century Jew actually had a much deeper meaning where the Lord Jesus Christ says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. This was still a time of the Roman Empire. And Roman soldiers didn't knock on anyone's door. They would just burst into a home and they demanded to be fed. And you either complied with the soldiers or something bad happened to you and your family if you didn't. So Jesus isn't like that. He, he stands in contrast to the Roman soldiers in the Roman Empire. He knocks on your door and he waits for an invitation from you so that he can enter. In ancient times, when you invited someone over for a meal, that meant that you wanted to de develop a, a deeper relationship with that person. It, it meant that you were friends. Uh, it meant that you would show your hospitality to a guest. And it, if, if Jesus is our Lord, then how could we not invite him in? How could we not want to spend time with him? Maybe we got too busy during the week. Maybe we got sidetracked with work projects. Maybe we were busy helping a family member who, who's going through a tough time. Maybe the, the kid's school schedule is, is crazy this month. Maybe, maybe a lot of things. And yet Jesus is still knocking on the door of our home because he wants to spend time with us. If we'll only open the door and let him in. And so this brings us to our three questions. First question. Has your zeal for Jesus been dulled by distractions? 
So the, the Laodiceans were distracted by how materially wealthy and prosperous they were. And, and distractions in this world are, are, they're a part of life. They're something that we, we have to deal with. If, if your phone isn't going off with a text or a call, then, then, then it's something else. It's, it's tax season. You've got a ton of cooking to do before the, before the game this afternoon. The, the car is overdue for servicing. The, there's bills to be paid. The milk expired yesterday. Um, the dog needs shots. Uh, your, your tin of coffee barely has enough grounds for a tablespoon this morning. There's distractions. And it, 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 doesn't it just suck the life out of, out of you? All these distractions, because that's just another thing that you have to deal with. And, and each morning you feel so unmotivated and you feel so unenthusiastic. And, and your, your balloon of enthusiasm and zeal for the Lord is just, you feel it deflating every single day. But the Lord Jesus Christ wants us to be more enthusiastic about where we're going and what we're doing. And so what distracted the Laodiceans was things. And they saw the fruits of their labors right in front of them. And that drew them off course. And whatever may be distracting you today, look beyond it. Look at where this distraction may eventually be taking you. Because sometimes, not always, but sometimes, our distractions are actually temptations in disguise that will lead us to sin. If you have a distraction, look towards your goal, which is eternity, and look towards the Lord Jesus Christ, who holds the key to eternity. Because Yahweh God, the Father, the Son, the, the Holy Spirit, they're the only ones who can provide us with that peace, with that joy that we all seek. The distractions are a temporary joy. Yahweh God is an eternal joy. Second question. What is one blind spot that you need to deal with today? Because we're living here on earth, it's, it's inevitable that, that the non-Christian culture is going to creep into our lives. And, and sometimes we, we don't stop to think about what we're adopting from the culture. The, the Laodiceans were blind to the fact that they were thinking more like the world despite being members of the church. But there, there are other blind spots that we have to deal with in the 21st century as Christians, whether it's it's watching something that may seem innocent enough, but then you think about it some more, maybe you should be watching it. Or, or maybe work in that job that pays really good, but you have no time for anyone, not even yourself, not even your health. Or maybe it's a hobby or it's a tradition that you've done all your life, but you know deep down it's taking you away from who or what matters most. This is what being refined by fire is like. It's recognizing the distraction or that obsession or that possession, and it's denying yourself and it's denying your cravings. This way of refining yourself because, uh, because you're denying yourself, it's not pleasant, it's not comfortable, but the discomfort and the suffering of doing what God wants you to do instead of doing what you want to do or what the culture wants you to do means that you're growing as a Christian. When we're not growing as Christians, that means we have blind spots. So here's the final question. Will you let the Lord Jesus Christ in to dine with you? So we're all seeking the best for our lives and God wants the best for our lives as well. Um, but more often than not, these two things do come into conflict. If we're seeking the best for our lives, then we need to seek God. He's standing right outside the door of our home asking if we'll invite him in today. 
And sometimes we're afraid because he sounds like a doctor that's making house calls. And doctors don't, don't really do that today, but, but this particular doctor, he does. This doctor is our creator, this doctor is our savior, this doctor is our counselor, and this doctor loves to make house calls. And he wants to come in so that for us believers, he wants to maintain that relationship with us, to, to fellowship with us, to dine with us. And, and if some are not believers today, then he wants to introduce himself for the first time. And he wants to have an honest conversation with us. When it comes to our lives now, when it comes to who we are going to be in the future, that he's molding us to be, we have to be honest with God. And we have to be honest with ourselves and then listen to what God wants to speak with honesty to us. It's that honesty that strengthens the relationship and that builds the intimacy with our Creator. And so in the days and weeks ahead, may you be reminded by the Holy Spirit that true riches are found in Christ and that true prosperity is found in eternity with God. May you always remember your spiritual covering that comes from the atoning work of the Son of the one true God on the cross of Calvary. And may your vision be sharpened by the Holy Spirit so that as you travel on this road of life, when you see those warning lights on your spiritual dashboard, that you might be low on fuel or that there's something wrong with the engine, that you take care of the problem sooner rather than later. Because we're all on this journey together. And so let's commit to remind each other to look for our blind spots and to look towards eternity as we journey on this road ahead. Because as a family, as a family here, um, one of the things the Laodiceans probably didn't do was that they didn't look out for each other. And we do, because we're always remembering people who are not here. We're always checking on those who are not here with us. We're always upholding them in prayer. So continue to do that. Continue to look after each other in the days ahead, because as a community, that's what God wants us to do. That's what God wants us to be. And, and together, we're stronger as a family. And together, we can travel this road together, and we can look for each other's blind spots, and we can look for the warning signs that some of us just don't see because we're so busy. And so, as the Lord works on your heart this week, remember, remember distractions, they're a natural part of life, but you can overcome them. Blind spots are a natural part of life, but you can overcome them. And you can overcome them when you focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen?